On this week's Inside Marketing, I'll be talking to Kieran O'Kane. We will have a look to the year ahead in 2023 and have a chat about what are the big things expected in ad tech. Kieran is an expert in ad tech and he is an incredibly entertaining guest. So I'm looking forward to this one as we kick the year off. That's only this week on Inside Marketing. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to the first of the new year um, in Inside Marketing. So I'm delighted to be joined by Kieran O'Kane, who's CSO at Wirecore and Exchange Wire and General Partner at First Party Capital. Good morning, Kieran. How are you? Hello, Dave. Great. Feeling good. You know, end of year. End of year. First, first of energy uh, today for some reason. Though. Why? Yeah. Um, and how has the how has the year been? And how are you, are you, we were chatting off, Mike. Are you are you optimistic about next year? And, and how was this year generally? Uh, I think this year's been a good year for for uh, exchange wire, sort of uh, my, my day job, um, which uh, you know we, we've um, you know we we resumed our events post COVID, so we did an yeah. event in Singapore, an event in London. Tended by 700 people in each event. So um, we've grown the team here. We've added some really, really top class editorial uh, resource and a few more salespeople, marketing people. Um, Yeah, and um, business is going well. Um, And uh, obviously, I'm a general partner at uh, First Party Capital. We've raised now seven and a half million dollars. I think we'll we'll, we'll have topped out the fund next year, 15 million. We've invested in 20 companies. Basically, the future of like Martech and AdTech, you know, very cut, very cutting edge companies who are sort of like going to be you know, shaping the next decade of our industry. Um, so I, I, I tend to have a very optimistic head on me these days. Um, you know, I think there, there's there's obviously a lot of economic headwinds coming our way. Um, you know, interest rates going up is going to affect a lot of businesses. But um, I think that the the media market landscape is more interesting than ever. So yeah. lots, lots of opportunities still there. Yeah. And this, I think this is your, it's your fourth time on the podcast, maybe you've had you on every year. You were so good the first year we brought you back. And by the way, four years ago, I think we were talking about, was under big, like um, the death of third party cookies. And we're still here four years later and they haven't gone away. So I, we're not even going to talk about it this time. It's, it's, it's no I mean, I mean, look, that that's a, that's a, a trend that's going to continue. It's a drip, drip, drip trend and it's already happening like people are still in over indexing the chrome um but the reality is that we're um we're sort of like um at this transitionary period to the post cookie post id war and it's already happening yeah yeah right well you're a busy man and uh i'm i don't want to take too much of your time but this could go on for a while but i'll try and keep it as kind of flowing as we can um Every year when you come on, we, we kind of have a chat about what you, your, kind of your big bets, if you will, for the year ahead or the things or the things you kind of see as, as being shaping the industry. So I'm going to pick off a couple of those things. And the first one I want to talk about is uh, retail media. Now, we, we, we talked about this before. Um, just for context, you, you see that as, as being a big growth area for 2023. Now, a lot of people listening because it's it's not a, a tech podcast or a marketing tech podcast um it, it's more general marketing so w- when i say retail advertising people will automatically think point to sale and that's where their head will go to so just for a bit of context can you explain when you talk about retail media what you mean by that um and when you get into that if you see growth going into that area where do you see growth coming from do you see it coming from um other digital platforms or from traditional kind of point to sale 
So what is it and where is the growth coming from? So it's going to get some context around this, right? So I say the retail media term comes from sort of like um, retailers running ads alongside the goods that they're trying to sell online, right? So I think Amazon spearheaded this uh, new segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon obviously is an e-commerce site that everybody knows and, and uses on a daily basis. Um, and Amazon really ramped up their ad business when they started putting ads against some of the the, the, uh, the items that they list on the e-commerce site. Absolutely, ramped is, is sort of like a conservative world, really. It completely blew down the water. I think it's a $30 billion business now for them. <clears throat> Mostly running sort of like, you know, um, sponsored listings on, yeah. on the ad platform. Um, and what's happened is a lot of the retailers that have been competing directly with uh, um, Amazon, predominantly the likes of uh, um, Walmart, have said like we want to we want to copy this model. Uh, so along their e-commerce model, they've, they've listed ads, and it's been like hyper growth. Every retailer now is looking at this, going, "This is a new new opportunity for me for us to make money." There's a lot of nuance around it because obviously, you know, where is that money coming from? So. I think we've moved from just sort of like, um, you know, deep direct-to-consumer sort of brands jumping all over this to mm. more nuanced discussion about transitioning uh, trade budgets, you know, the, the, the things that you talk about, point-of-sale, chef, uh, yeah. advertising, et cetera, into the digital ecosystem. So we're talking about billions and billions of, of, of dollars and pounds and euros into this new sort of digital ecosystem. So, you know, Tesco's here in the UK, as the Sainsbury's are investing very heavily in this. So what they see is an opportunity to kind of like amp the money they get from the trade sales so they can get more money that way. Um, so, 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 so it's like, how can I... There's only there's only a finite amount of space you have within a store to yeah. sell specific marketing opportunities and the trade budgets, a trade sale uh, budget perspective. So it's it's them thinking, oh well, there's infinite space on my e-commerce site, right? Because yeah. I have millions and millions of people um, using this on 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 a, on a, on a monthly basis. Um, but the, but there's been it's been sort of this slow transition, right? So. Ad tech have been super excited about this because oh, we're, this is sort of what we're doing, you know, serving ads on pages and we can use programmatic opportunities. But there's a couple of things that the retailers are very keen uh, to protect and, 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 and very keen not to sort of rock the boat in terms of like upsetting users. So yeah. one is obviously data, right? Mm-hmm. They have to be super careful about leaking that data, which is a big asset for um, a lot of these retailers, right? The, the kind of like customer data, transactional data, that's their, that's their like DNA to, to, to build, uh, increase market share and, and build new products, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the other one is use experience. Like, so, you know, if you were going on trying to buy some shampoo on Dunn stores or some cornflakes or whatever in your, in your daily or weekly shop, the last thing you want to see is bloody outstream ads and pop-ups yeah. and all sorts of shit like that. So there's, there's, there's a certain amount of nuance going on in that, right? So you have that on the on the sort of like retailer side. And there's big investments going on. Carrefour have invested a lot of money into this. They're the huge European um, retail outlet. Um, obviously, Tesco's are investing very much on Humvee. 
Hazda. They're all investing very heavily, but they're mm. very careful about how they're rolling this out. There's a couple of people that were talking about this. It's not always the, good to get the ad tech perspective. It's very good to get the consultancy perspective as well, who work closely, saying that they're very, the, you know, the people who run the site and their, their main objective is to sell goods. It's they don't want to upset the user yeah. experience. Yeah, and, and it, it's quite it's quite common. I get the the the, the retailers, like the grocers, the done stores, and all that kind of stuff, because they're kind of resellers or or multi multi product and multi category sellers. Um, but outside of them, like Amazon, like you know, in Ireland, you talked about UX. Uh, so in Ireland, if you want to, if stepping outside of the the, the grocers, um, you know, you you've got you've got things like done deal or adverts they're they're pretty shit user experiences like they're they're, they're like really they're, they're very very basic um, and they're more peer-to-peer like they're really their ad formers are desperate I don't even know if they're properly commercial but you, it's not an environment you want to show up in so do you think well I get it globally in these big um, e-commerce or retail platforms that you talked about like the Amazons unless Amazon open an Irish shop if you will do you think can you can you see that that taking off as 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 big in Ireland? Do you think? I mean, for Tesco, why, why can't why can't Duns- So I, I don't know enough about Dunn stores and the, their digital operation. Do Irish people are Irish people are Irish consumers buying their their shopping through Dunn stores? Does Dunn stores? Yeah, they were, they were Dunn's were late. They were late to the the party, but um, yeah, but they're they're getting it down. It's mostly like grocery. So I see this as I see this as, as more of a a ten year. Um, opportunity rather than an overnight opportunity. So what you're going to have is the, is sort of Amazon setting the stall out. Then Walmart, who are like a massive organization in the US, and I have a massive ad business of billions and billions. Like I think they did three or four billion in, uh, in, in last year or this year, I think, in, in terms of ads yeah. and revenue. So like they'll set the pace and then you'll get bigger like supermarket chains who will also dabble the toe on this. Right. Um, but what, what, the, the interesting thing here about retail media is it, it's sort of like a, another wall garden, right? Mm. So there's a term I use, we use internally here at Exchange where I call utility publishers, right? And this is another extension of that. So when I talk about utility publishers is that advertising, advertising is predominantly a publisher's sort of bread and butter, like the Irish Times, the Independent, right? Utility publishers something like Uber or Deliveroo who basically sell goods and deliver goods or they have a taxi ride service. Yeah. And then they run advertising as a secondary business. That's what I mean by utility okay. publishers. So like this retail media is kind of like that, right? So it's more like, like these are more like wall garden uh, uh, solutions, right? So it's a good way to think about that way. So, you know, Uber have just hired a, a very senior guy uh, here in the UK. Um, Paul Wright is his name. He's, a, he's an investor in our fund. But Paul, Paul's worked uh, at, a, at a bunch of places, including Amazon and Apple. And now he's the head of like um, advertising for Uber in the UK. Uber have a really interesting business that they're, they're, there's, they're obviously, you know, the, the core business is, 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 um, is delivery and taxi ride, yeah. right? Um, but the ad business is really interesting because they're able to do, they're selling directly to their own clients. Yeah. So 50, 50% of the people who open Uber, for instance, they have no idea what they're going to order, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, look, they have no idea. So there's a great opportunity for ads to be to be to be sold directly to restaurants or chains in that actual app. So, so that's what I mean by you know these sort of wall gardens. Mm. They're actually not really sucking any budget out of the existing the pot they're creating. It. If anything, they're probably taking money away from Facebook and Google. Right. right. So that's yeah. that's kind of interesting. And that's, that's so I think that's retail media should be 
thought about in that sense rather yeah. than this just this standalone yeah segment. yeah um yeah and so when you well you, you remember when when social became a thing so uh, two questions um following on from that so do, do you see there's an opportunity here do you think you might see kind of niche kind of boutique expert agencies like retail agencies cropping up that serve clients because um, there might be an opportunity. A little bit like when social kind of burst onto the scene and you had a, a ton of social agencies just cropping up. You don't, you didn't need social agencies, but like because you branded yourself as a social agency and an expert, they, they kind of did well for themselves. A lot of them sold out, there, but they were never really needed. So so two questions. Are you seeing any any kind of niche agencies in this space, kind of the e-commerce kind of platform expert agencies cropping up. And also, are the skills in search and performance not just directly transferable to Amazon? It's a, it's the same type of thing, isn't it? The ad platform, the, the formats may be different, but is it not? If you're really good in performance and, you know, SEO and any performance media, can you not just transfer those skills into, into yeah, Amazon? Yeah, so a lot of the, um, a lot of the big holding groups have set up uh, capabilities in, in within their organization to be sort of like the retail media output. And I think what they're trying to do and what they are doing is if you look at a, a company or a holding group like Publicis who have bought a bunch of companies, so they bought Citrus Ads. And Citrus Ads is basically like a, an infrastructure player for the retail media where it lists product listings on a, on a site. They actually own that. And they have another company called Profitero. I think they're a, they're a Dublin-based uh, e-com platform business, which basically plugs into various um, uh, e-com platforms and optimizes your shelf space and looks at what's selling, what's not. So they're joining all that together. So I think the whole codes are kind of approaching this like almost like weird infrastructure layer plus capabilities, right? right? So yeah. you're right about the execution there. I think the performance piece is... Transfer, transferable skills from search and yeah. performance overall. So I think that there's more nuance around what those internal opcodes are within the likes of Publicis and WPP. They're offering like a technology and data layer yeah. uh, as well as capabilities. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so if you're talking about independent plays like a search firm, I don't see why a search firm couldn't, you know, execute on top of a platform to do that. Yeah. But I think there's way more nuance around the retail media because I think there's a whole attribution play. Like, so for instance, uh, uh, WPP bought another company that basically looks at um, the availability of specific products in warehouses. So they were able to map map all that to actual point of sale on a a particular e-com site. Right. So it has a full uh, attribution model that the client could buy against. And clients like that because it's Mm. like, here's an outcome. Here's a here's yeah, a, uh, an advertising tied to an outcome. Mm, so yeah. so I think there's I think you're correct about I don't I don't necessarily think you need like Amazon only agencies or or, or eBay only agencies or whatever. Yeah. I think performance could execute that as long as you have a third party platform you can do it through. So it could be a, you know a DSP or whatever yeah. that's plugged into Amazon. But I think the bigger play for the older groups is that is that sort of stack for building the publicist yeah. done, done a massive deal with Carrefour to right. basically sort of hive off a part of Carrefour using Citrus ads, Profitero, and then basically layering in the, their Epsilon data uh, and then building their own stack for the spend coming publicist because they don't want to curtail or some other third party. Yeah, go on and, and take, yeah, like, I guess you probably don't want 
you know, the holding companies and the bigger companies probably just took their eye off the ball with social and, and win the social. They're all over this thing. They're yeah. all over it. Yeah, like, they won't make that the, mistake the big, again. The big, like, Profiter was 150 million citrus. Ad, like, uh, you know, publicist respect to cuts a half half a billion dollars yeah. on transactions in terms of the ad tech in that space. Yeah, so um, so retail is is a, a big growth area next year. When we kind of talked about AI there, because AI underpins a lot of this and technology underpins everything, and particularly in your world, um, it comes up a lot in this podcast generally. But I want to talk to you about um, Google's because I read something you sent me, Google's um, AI to performance performance max, right? So now we could do an hour on this, um, and oh, this, I think you should do an hour on this next year because it's actually. Really, really interesting. It, it, it is, and it's it's interesting. It's interesting in lots of ways. But let, first, let's start off again, just for the benefit of people who might go, I don't know what that is because it's not working performance. Tell me what it is, and and explain what a blind network is, if you if you wouldn't mind, just for context. So Google launched this product called Performance Max, and it's been out for a while. And what it is basically, uh, it's a. I don't know whether it's on Google. I think it's on Google Ads, and you basically just. Commit spent to it. You, you put your CPA cost per acquisition now, or whatever the KPI is, and then Google run the campaigns across YouTube, uh, across uh, ads. Sorry, sorry, across maps, all its all its utility sites, and then it, it also runs it across GDN, which is basically the Google uh, display network of two million sites. That could be any site in the world. Yeah, it doesn't give any brand uh, verification doesn't give any measurement. It just basically delivers on a specific KPI. So if imagine just giving money to Google and Google just going, well done. Now, Google can tell you whatever success it is because it's basically Google marks the homework. Uh, it writes the homework, it marks its yeah. own homework and then delivers results. Itself. And at the same time, it gives itself a pat on the back, right? So you literally are doing a, a blind network is you have no idea where it's running. You have no idea what, what the measurement is. You have no idea what the tar- targeting capabilities are. You just have an outcome. Now, to some small advertiser, that suppose that is a good thing. But if you're a brand of a certain size, it is absolutely crazy to be doing this. Nuts. Yeah. yeah. Because you have absolutely no idea where it's running. It can be running against all sorts of dog shit UGC on YouTube. It can be running against any crap site the two million sites, you know, of that two million, the vast majority of that two million are rubbish yeah, sites. Yeah. Um, probably like riddling fraud, all sorts of like politically uh, unsafe content. Yeah. So, so Google basically have just created the greatest black box solution ever in ad tech. And, and you don't get so. Y- am I right? Like that. That does a lot. Well, Google have have gamed the system. And you could argue Amazon can gain the system as well. And so if you're trying to compete with Amazon, sell some stuff on Amazon, they they get a look at everything that's working and they just rip off your products. They get all the insights. So effectively, Google can... Well, this is a way of Google Google just gaming the system in, in, in their huge walled garden ecosystem. So they can do whatever. But, you, but am I right in saying you don't, as an agency or an advertiser, you don't get any visibility on you know what creative is working, what platform is working, where things came from? You just get... so. Outcomes, outcomes, outcomes. That's it, uh, and it's uh, it, it's all based around their artificial intelligence. And to be honest, look, I'll tell you this now, right? Google have basically have built their entire empire and display on last click attribution. Yeah, uh, and this is literally playing Google's game. Uh, and I would, I would, I would bet serious money to, to, with you, Dave, that they are just retargeting users using Google data, 
right? And it's just like bottom of the full, target, target, target. They're just sitting there and they're like, they're a bit, it's a bit like Gary Lineker, right? Goal hanging, right? He never really did anything else except goal hanging. Scored like, you know, an amazing amount of goals. So yeah. basic performance max is the Gary Lineker of ad tech. Right. Okay. That's, that's a good way. That's a nice way of putting it. So, well, well, let me... Right, because you said, the, and we, I don't know whether you said it when we were talking or whether before we started recording, like the markets will always find a way. So let me play devil's advocate for a second. So if advertising is a means to an end, right? So you want to sell or you want to acquire customers or you want to... So, I mean, the, the purist says you know, the art of planning. And if you want to get, if you want to get into brand building stuff, that's fine. But if you're, if you're at the lower end of the funnel, what, who cares then? And I'm, I'm not saying this is my point of view. I'm just going to give you maybe a, a devil's advocate. So who cares? Give, give Google a chunk of money, give them a CPA that you're happy with and then say, yeah, off on. you go, lads. What's the problem? That's true, but it's, it's according to Google's attribution model, right? That's, that's the problem, right? They control every part of the, the nuance here. Like, you don't have any uh, say on what that attribution model looks like, right? So Google could be sitting at the bottom of the funnel and takes all the credit for, for like, like, performance exists, right. it does not exist in a vacuum. It has to have some brand or some prospecting happening. You just don't, you know, you just don't get customers off the back of it. It's a very, very short-lived thing. Mm. Um, so your, your return on investment spend could be huge, but like, you know, also, you've no idea how much margin Google's making. I mean, do you, do you really care? I suppose well, that's the thing. No, like, I mean, the, like, no, I mean the, you, you shouldn't, but you saw it with, um, with programmatic, even at holding companies where when clients, you know, if you said to a client, we'll reduce your, your spend and increase your acquisition and we'll run it through our, our trading desk but but they're not happy when you're making a margin on that one, right? So there, it happens in agency side. So but they're, they're yeah, more but forgiving on media, media owner sides. I, I think there's a place for this. Well, but that's what I was like, going to say. But if you but if you have a certain size of budget, right? Mm. Like if you're a certain size, you wouldn't be crazy to put money into that because all you really do is cannibalize your own media yeah. plan, right? Um, if you're a small player, great. But, yeah, yeah. But this goes back to my point. Well, I didn't make, I made this point before. Google doesn't really care about agencies. No. Google sees Google as agencies as a hindrance. Yeah, no. Google absolutely. would prefer agencies exist. So, is this the first step where they'll tro- roll out AI around, you know, uh, prospecting or upper funnel? And that? I, I can't see how any agency would trust Google for that. And also, the good thing is, I think the market's a little bit more. Um, different than it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. It, 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 this performance max feels like Google trying to bring out more cash out of a, out of a thing. Well, they're having a tough time, Karen, as you know. They're, they're having a hard time. They're laying people off. They've cancelled all their T&E budgets. I feel, I feel sorry for them. They're having a tough time. I don't feel sorry for them. I know, not, and I, I probably like money. Google more than, than Facebook, but um, it probably is, you're right. I mean, if, you've got, if you're a sophisticated advertiser and you've an agency or, or even you're doing stuff yourself, you're, you're probably not going to... You probably might test it, like, just to see what it works and see, you know... Um, I, I guess it will test, but it's probably a really, it's quite attractive if you're small, uh, a small advertiser where you can go, I don't care, I don't have the time, I don't have the people, and I don't have the expertise. I just yeah. give it into Google. And you know, that's where Facebook made a lot of their money. They made a lot of their money in this long tail. It's not agency business, it's all the small yeah, local I, I, advertisers. I'm not entirely sure how well it works. Like, you know what I mean? Like Google or Facebook slash Meta made it work because they're able to piggyback off IDFA and then they can just manipulate that situation. They don't have that now, so you don't have that kind of clarity or feedback loop that they had mm. that would make it very attractive. Um, 
I mean, this is probably more for search-based people, but mm. and, and Google will push it out through their crony agencies. Like they have a, a lot of them, so they are Google first. So right, yeah, good luck to them. Hi, but it's interesting that you know that this product, like it's, I suppose, is a good, it's a good uh, sign of an application of AI. Yeah, in, yeah. In the, in it, 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 but it, I mean, I get it. I mean, we knew um, ad exchanges and ad, ad networks years ago with this kind of, you know, long tail of, of, of blind networks. You didn't know where stuff was going. It seems a bit mad in the world in which we live today when we're talking about transparency and, you know, uh, uh, compliance and everything. It just seems mad that, that, that this is, that, that this is. But then, so do you think it's, do you think it'll work? This could well be the end of, this is this is, this could really be the commoditization of long tail display. I mean, Rob Webster who works at CDE. He's a he's a very respected guy. Um, um, he would say that this is a sort of a indicative of how long tail display is sort of on the wane, uh, and that money is going to flow to quality. And that we're as I said before, like you're going to see a lot more money flowing to CTV. We'll talk about that in a minute, but like yeah. there's definitely money flowing. I mean, this is sort of like the lower end of the market of Google just mopping up yeah. any kind of like all the easy, the easy money for them. But it, it, it's kind of in, in a, in a binary world and we, we'll talk about this in a minute, but you've, you've got that at a time when the world is talking about attention um, and it, you know, and this is the complete opposite of that, but I guess it's, I guess it's attractive for people who it works for care. It yeah. works for the long term. I think it works yeah. for the long term. Is, is this unique to Google? Cause I'm not up to speed on all this. It, or, no, uh, there's uh, Meta have a product called Event Advantage Plus, which is similar, um, which basically runs a blind network through their, their family of sites as well. Right. Okay. So, so they're not the only one doing it, but again, it's like mopping up, um, uh, Mopping up money from the long tail, you know. So yeah. you know, if you're if you're a long tail site, depending on programmatic, this is the type of crap you're gonna get. Like, you know, so, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and I'm, I am an agency person, but I can see why agency people wouldn't like it because it kind of. Well, I don't think it affects you, Dave. I don't think it affects agencies because agencies generally talk to brands at a certain size. Um, you know, you wouldn't work with a like as you said, if you were working with a, a small advertiser, like you know, like a person running a bunch of Airbnbs or, or something yeah. similar to that and they just want to drum up a load yeah. of like business. So oh, this I is the type of thing that works. And there's a lot there's a lot of money in that as we know. Um so uh, on the opposite, the, the flip side of that coin, and we just touch on it there, attention. I had Karen Nelson Field on, um, I don't know, a couple of episodes ago. Um, and she's done brilliant work in the whole area of, of attention. And I know um, even in terms of, of digital, there's a lot of work going into kind of uh, attention and, and we can measure a lot more in terms of we understand how the brain works and, you know, and how this, we, we used to think that you needed full attention. You don't, you can have kind of partial attention and it can work quite well for certain categories. So, um, I, I, what I found in Karen Nelson Fields' work was really interesting because when, when you try and compare one medium versus another, y you get some very, very scary kind of differences in 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 what what attention delivers or what, what qualifies as attention, and even a format within a platform. So, you know, if if the IAB standard of viewability, you know, two percent two percent in view for two seconds or whatever if, if we change what what's the what's the definite what's the ib standard term for um noticeability two, what? two seconds in view or something yeah it's two seconds fifty percent of view for two seconds something like that so if you change those if you move any of those metrics i.e to to push up more of of the the pixels in view for a bit more you have a huge kind of loss of inventory on, on the likes of facebook's platforms that kind of stuff so it's quite it's hard to compare different media, but I do like the idea of 
holding ourselves to a higher standard in terms of um, moving away. A lot of this is maybe on the client side as well as the agency side, like a, a click and impression, moving away from that and actually just just this long tail of it doesn't matter where it shows up. I don't think it does anyone any good because um, when you're talking about 0. 0.00 whatever, it, it's not a good number. Um, so the importance of context is quite good. So what do you think of attention generally as a currency in 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 the industry? And, and do you think it's going to, like how far away are we from this as a, as a trading currency, if you will? So, so I, I will... Uh, you know, I'm going to talk my own book here. Like, yeah. so uh, from a first party capital point, we just invested in a business called Lumen. Uh, oh, yeah, my, we, yeah we, we, we've company. worked with them. We, we've done work with them, yeah. Yeah, Mike, Mike Fuller. And uh, the, we we put together two parts of uh, two different businesses, uh, Amazon and, and uh, Lumen. And Lumen have like the biggest uh, eye tracking panel in the world, one of the longest served, one of the most respected. And Amazon is sort of like a former DSP, but it's the ad tech now is there. We put that together and now they're able to serve a tag on page and scale it, right? So I know they're doing massive, they're, they're, they're doing massive stuff Dentsu yeah. uh, globally. So like that's one of the biggest clients and also stomach with IAS. Now for me, when I think about attention, I think about when you have a landscape where you have no cookies, no IDs, no way to sort of scale those sort of ID solutions, Attention becomes a, a, a metric that you can measure multi-channel, right, omni-channel. Um, and it's the ability to sort of like deliver that in, in the new world, right? And we get away from this um, last click attribution that Google kept force-fed us for like the guts of like 20 years, right? And that, it underpinned a lot of programmatic yeah. to its detriment. Now we're heading into an era of like, you know, particularly with CTV, it's difficult to measure a lot of that stuff. Attention sort of allows you to do a lot of that. Um, uh, in-gaming advertising, which which has got massive uh, uh, engagement from a user perspective. Lots of different uh, ad tech companies serving ads, but no way to measure. Yeah, Attention is another way to do that. So for me, I think of attention as, as the sort of the post-cookie, post-ID uh, uh, framework for, yeah. for measurement. Yeah, um, And I think it's a good way to do it because... I mean, how, how do you how, how do you sort of countenance a last click attribution that's being gained by everybody? Like, yeah. You know, um, so I think it's for me, it's a very very exciting year ahead for that specific. And I think amplified intelligence is going to be one of the players as well. But yeah. I think it'll be I think the market's so big, there's going to be multiple players. Yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. And, and go on, sorry. No, I'm pretty excited about the opportunity here, like because we're moving. I think that this is a good uh, uh, indication that as an industry, we're starting to move mentally yeah. into the pro- the privacy force war. Yeah, and and it's good, you know, for for <clears throat> people who you talked about on you know retail sites, ads popping up everywhere, and you can see there's a load of media owner sites that are just kind of they're going to ring out as many ads as they can get from from one site visit one impression so it's good for publishers quality publishers and, and people who've taken a lot of a hammering with this idea that it, it not all impressions are equal doesn't matter where it is context oh, is important so it's good it's good attention works to that upper mid funnel stuff where 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 you do build brand awareness um, yeah. and the good thing about the good thing about attention which i find exciting is that they're starting to they're starting to tie it back to an outcome so it's not just as an ethereal sort of like you know upper funnel measurement piece yeah it's it's definitely gonna be full funnel and i think this is why i talk about 
real genuine innovation in our space, right? Yeah. The need that we talked about cookies to begin. This is a good indication of that type of like um, uh, evolution of the industry. Yeah. Um, and it's exciting stuff. I think like, you know, the work that Karen's doing and Mike's doing and, and a few others are, is, is going to be hugely beneficial to, to the industry yeah, as a whole. Definitely. And you know what? It, 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 we would probably never have done away with cookies by a lot of people said would not want them to go and do not want them to go but I think when it forces you to just be better I think so this is a, a consequence of that the company the company that's that's done the most around this is Apple and we, we, we can yeah. uh, this is a nice segue to that conversation as well but they're the ones for me that have been forefront I know GDPR has been a big piece around this but, but Apple has the one that has transition the industry in those ways yeah see let's stick on apple for a minute um you you've kind of said like in my head they've been the you know the pioneers of of privacy and and data protection and they've been uh, you know you gotta you gotta look at their agenda on certain things but certainly the noises they make they've been they've been um you know, privacy first and all that kind of stuff. You, you think Apple are one to watch in terms of next year getting into the ad business in a, in a much bigger way and there's probably easy money there for them. So what are your thoughts on Apple? Because we talked a bit about Google. What do you think about Apple next year? Apple's an absolute monster even now uh, in, the, in the ad business. Um, so j- j- just for context, that they, they tried to do this with iAd a few years ago. Uh, and it was an absolute disaster because they were charging so much money and kind of kind of missed the boat. And what they what they did is they they, they seeded the app store uh, monetization. Their app store is arguably the most important app store in the world because of their user base, which is basically rich people, right? Let's be honest, Jim. Uh, and they seeded that to third party um, companies like uh, ad tech companies. And mostly to Facebook, right? Facebook made a fortune out of gaming ads running in the Facebook environment and pushed into um, the app store for downloads. And I think, I think that Apple's reasons uh, for certain things uh, is sort of double-sided. I, I, I do believe that they are a privacy-first company. Yeah. I think they're a lot safer than Android. But they always have an agenda, right? Uh, Apple feel that they have a right to monetize their users more than anybody else, right? Mm. They feel pretty annoyed when third parties are monetizing their their yeah, their, yeah. their and advertising is a segment they saw that's our, our our segment. So with the deprecation of IDFA, which is basically the signal within within the iPhone that allowed third parties to do all the sort of follow follow attribution and allowing to do funky stuff, that gone. Apple sort of pushed out their App Store ads. They started running ads in the App Store for promoting ads on the Apple iOS App Store, and it's been just basically a cash register. Like you know, they, you know, they've slowly been ramping it up, hiring people here in London, hiring a lot of people in Europe, hiring people in um, in the US to sell them. All other than kind of like we don't want to talk about our ad business, but the ad business is about five billion dollars right now, yeah. right? Without even without even you know, without them even pushing hard, yeah, yeah. right? Analysts reckon by 2025, 2026, it could be as big as $30 billion. Yeah, and, it's, e- and it's easy money for them. Well, it has been today. Yeah. It, it, and and it, it's going to get like, I, I did a mad tech sketch. I mean, if you want to share it in the notes to people, but I did a mad tech sketch on uh, uh, I saw it, yeah, yeah. And it showed basically the, um, the 
the sort of outlay of how they would get to um, uh, to thirty billion dollars, um, and they they only have to turn on a few things to make it work, right? Mm. Um, and one of the things they could do just straight out of the bat is basically run a uh, third party uh, ad network running across sites running on iOS. I mean, if they run, if they open that up. Um, basically next year, it would just basically double the revenue, right? Right. So at the minute, they're just running typically search ads in 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 the in, in the iStore, right? So or sorry, the App Store. You know, like today t- today tab, search tab, search results ads, product pages, that's kind of thing. They can really wrap this up if they just opened up um, an ad network solution, basically app, Apple running ads right, on yeah. every. Uh, app in the ecosystem, like okay, the way that yeah. um, Facebook ad network does. Yeah. Um, the second thing that they, 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 they they're definitely going to do is TV. So I don't know if you've been watching Apple TV, but it's pretty decent. Yeah, think it's I gotten think better. Gonna, yeah, it has gotten better. Yeah, they've got some good shows. Slow Horses is a is a recommendation. Mm. I would uh, I would recommend you watch. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, about like sort of these uh, second rate. Um, that Gary Oldman is that Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the sort of um, set, there would be these are like rejects from the MI5, MI6, and they were it's a good story. Um, but, but the TV area is going to be one of the, the big sort of area growth, uh, growth areas for them. And I wouldn't be surprised, like, one of the things they'd be doing is buying a lot of uh, live sports. So people might not, might not, might not know this, but they won the rights for um, Major League Soccer next year in the US, MLS. Yeah, I didn't know that. Which is, a, which is huge, right? Um, like viewership is growing. It's, it's absolutely, you know, it's a growth of a clip. They intend to monetize this by showing ads in the live streams, right? right? So they're getting into the ad business in yeah. TV, right? So they're going to, that's a huge growth area for them. They're going to start taking money off typical, um, uh, broadcasters in the US, they're going to need an ad tech stack. I wouldn't be surprised if they made an acquisition next year. Yeah. It's highly likely. Um, but like, it's all prime for them to make money and people are going, oh, shit, you know, they've kind of abused their situation, their, their, their yeah. market position. I'm going, not really. I mean, it's their rails. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. It's up to the industry to figure out how they can work within the Apple ecosystem without breaking the roots or yeah. privacy. Yeah. Um, and you, me- you mentioned... Just to pick up that you mentioned uh, CTV there, and 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 you see that's grown at the expense of say linear TV, which which we know is going to happen. But do you see? Do you, I know it's big in the US, hasn't been as as big uh, in Europe. Do you think it's going to grow in Europe? CTV? Do you think in in as big a way as has in the US? I think it's already grown in Europe. I think that um, you're seeing. Uh, I think the the, the most the most interesting part of CTV for me is is probably the mid to long tail. So you're 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 going to see. The adoption of free ad support TV, fast TV, they call it, right? I hit all these acronyms, but they're about. So imagine like a Pluto TV is a very good example, right? They buy rights up of like old TV shows like Baywatch. So if you go to Pluto TV, there's actually a Baywatch channel. It's hilarious. Go watch it like uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing. And you can watch a uh, crappy 70s shows. But people are happy to watch ad support TV. So you're going to see more of this. LG and, uh, and Sony are are basically using um, discounted hardware TV uh, hardware to, to 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 kind of like get in in the uh, in the front room and yeah. own that relationship with the user. They're spinning up fast um, uh, um, 
channels as well. Yeah. So you're going to see an explosion in this area uh, in Europe uh, as we get out. So the, the, for, for in, an interesting one has been ITVX. Now, ITVX is kind of a closed system. They have their own sort of like uh, platform. They bought a Mobi and Mobi powers their SSP and it kind of it connects into like the trade desk and a few yeah. others like, you know, but it's very much a standard like DSP to add server integration, right? It's very, very sort of like, you know, one-to-one. But um, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're basically um, building out inside ITVX all these fast channels, like right. Celebrity Love Island has a whole world of, of content as a specific channel within that. So right. you may see broadcasters spinning out yeah, and funding the channels and yeah. becoming like involved in that. Because I think that's, you're seeing people become more price conscious about all the subscriptions. I know you, Dave, I've got like six, seven at this stage. And yeah, yeah. I'm not watching half of them. So I'm thinking about getting rid of some. I'm actually thinking about subscribing to ad funded Netflix. Not that I'm price conscious. I just want to see the ads. Yeah, because, well, you, you know, that was one that was, you know, UX would, will always win. Reed Hastings said, we'll never be, we'll never have a, a light version or an ad funded. And then it's funny how, how things change. Yeah, we, oh, we well, talked about Disney it before. As well, Disney will launch yeah. an ad-funded channel. Um, Absolutely. And, and people, people who have, who are price conscious, and a lot of people are in this day and age because it's expensive to live with inflation and, you know, rising taxes and all the rest of it. Um, it just, yeah. you know, if you can get Disney from like $12 or 12 euros a month to like six euros yeah. and you might see a few ads, People will pay that money, right? right? With that, the value exchange. And again, as well, like it was fine back in the day when I think um, you might have had a TV subscription and then you paid for Netflix on top of it. And then, oh, well, now you want to watch The Boys on Amazon Prime or whatever. And now you need Disney. And the, and you just, the, so the more, the, none of them are that expensive as a one-off. But if you have four or five or six, and they, they do start to add up. So yeah, wait, reduce it by half and watch a few ads. That's a good model. The other thing that's interesting about this is that I actually CTV... The majority of CTV in Europe is YouTube, right? Like YouTube never gets never gets um, counted as CTV, but a lot of people are using their television yeah. to watch YouTube. Yeah. So it's very much a lean back experience rather than a short form uh, yeah, video no, piece that was it, right? So what's going to happen? And what we're seeing more of it, you've seen it already, right? Amazon buying premiership rights. Google yeah. just basically won the rights to uh, the NFL Thursday night ticket, right? Yeah. This is all going to be ad-funded. So these big tech platforms are going to basically be allowing CTV to become a thing as well. So you will be able to buy Google via the AB360. Um, so it will be programmatic in many ways. Like So so, so th- there's the th- there's a big tech story in CTV, and then there's like the independent uh, media side of it. And I think that is th- – I, I think uh, Lindsay, um, who's our head of operations here on, on our podcast this week, said – this is another 10-year picture right. because you've got loads of issues around targeting, privacy, yeah. uh, measurement. My God, like, think about, like, all the the crappy panel-based stuff you have to mold together if you did a European buy, right? Like, mm. you know, Barb in the UK, and I know what the Irish yeah, equipment yeah. is, but, like, loads of these different influence. So it's, it's pretty exciting as a yeah. buyer to have these options. And, again, it goes back to my point around great fragmentation in the ecosystem so i don't know if you've seen this uh, piece that ran on one of the trades in the us this week about how the duopoly share of the ad market is decreasing in the us 
And that is because of all the, the proliferation of CTV and, yeah. and retail media and utility publishers that I talked about at the start of the show. That we're yeah. in this now much more fragmented world. Um, mm. and maybe you even talked about that four years ago. Maybe did because you were talking about that. That's that's good from an like while while the the, the performance max is good from a small advertiser point of view. Just give them the money and let them do what they do. The complexity of a fragmented ecosystem is is good for if you're an agency person because it's good because to navigate those different wall gardens and and lots of different things and to be able to combine everything and give it a single view of the of of the world is is a good thing for agencies so we did we chatted about it and it's yeah it's fascinating um and apple and what to now we chatted about apple and google before when we spoke last year we the metaverse was a big thing we were talking about it well it was a big thing i mean um Meta have bet the farm, it seems, on on VR and the metaverse and, and AR. We were both skeptical about it, you know, talking about this is, you know, is is it fad or is it the future? I think we were we were both on the same page, going, oh, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, and it, it's it's not going to be the 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 future will not be a Zuckerberg dystopian future as you know as as you see in some of these videos. I got a lot of stick saying, oh, you guys are just too old. You don't get it. We're a year on. Um, this should have been maybe, it seems that the bubble has kind of burst a little bit on it. Um, I know cryptos and, and NFTs have kind of faded a little bit and, and cryptos have, have lost a lot of their, their value. But the metaverse in general, a year on, are, if, if, are we, were we right, do you think? Do you think that, that is it a bad bet from, from meta to go so heavy? Is it a pipe dream? Because I know it exists in, in gaming and, and metaverse and, and it's fine, but outside of gaming, do you think would you, would you still stand by what we said twelve months ago that this is a bit of smoke and mirrors? It's not going to be what what face Meta think it's going to be. Uh, simple answer is yes. Um, those people who, who give you uh, crap need to kind of take a hard look at themselves and say, well, why why do, why do they work in this industry? <laughs> I'm only joking. It's just, um, I think that. Uh, this 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 like huge bet by Meta is is, is speculative. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I still maintain that the the metaverse is a nonsensical term, uh, and what we have is we do have these virtual reality worlds, which gaming is yeah. like the king. Right? I, I mean, and I, there's lots know, of them. We're not. Yeah. We're not a. By the way, we're not like non-believers, and we don't get like that's not a nonsense to say that. Like it's like shut up, uh, boomer. Like you know that's a, like shut up, right? Yeah. Basically. Basically, what <clears throat> what gaming has done is they have like you know they've shown the model works right engagement, uh, virtual goods, uh, virtual currency. That, that, like V bucks has been a thing in Fortnite for years, right? Yeah. What 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 Meta are trying to do is build this ecosystem of people who might want to live the world in the virtual reality. I think there's applications of this. I think from a from a from a B two B point of view, I think yeah. there's huge applications around this from you know, like around surgery and all the rest of like, yeah. you know, I, I think from a business point of view, there is from, from a B2C point of view, I think it's going to be fine, fine, very difficult to extract people out of the real world and put them into a virtual world for like eight hours a day. Yeah. Right. You don't, yeah. like, the human brain's just not built for that. No. And if that's the way you want to live, you're like, fine. What's also like, you're, like you know, your you peripheral might vision. Might as well be a vegetable in the bed. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, using yeah. The bedpan and shit stuff. Like, you know I, know, what I, mean? I know. I agree. And it's so weird when you put them on. You get you feel nauseous after it, and you know because you're you're. But Dave, I tell you where the I tell you where the big fight's going to be next year over this, right? I think it's going to be between Apple and Meta, right? So this yeah. this kind of war that's been brewing between the two, it's going to go up a notch next year. I think like the virtual mixed reality world is where 
we're going to end up right. Yeah. The ability to overlay stuff in the real world, like you know, yeah, Pokemon. That makes, that makes total sense. Yeah, and then the, the, the glasses will be a huge area. Now, the problem that Meta have is that they don't own yeah. an infrastructure there the way that Apple does, right? And Apple will make it difficult for Apple, for Facebook yeah. or Meta to, to, to integrate into that area. Mm. So. So I think that's where you're going to. I, I, I'm a firm believer in, in the in the in the sort of virtual AR world, right? I just I just feel that COVID has demonstrated that people living in this type of like virtual reality, you know, yeah. um, like moved away from reality, it doesn't work. No. It, it causes. Immense well, we're social. Around. We're, we're social beings, you know. We we are just a bunch of apes, right? Yeah. Like. We like people. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter whether you go for a pint or go for a coffee or go meet someone or go to a party or go meet yeah. people, right? You just don't get the same effect by living your life in a virtual no, world. And I, then you say, oh, well, you're off. You don't know what you're talking about. Look, uh, I have dabbled in crypto. I've made money in crypto. I've, I've gladly, I've luckily got out at the right time. Um, do I, I do crypto, like, all this stuff sort of conflates and it's, yeah. all of it is very much removed. I think there's an application for NFTs definitely in marketing. Yeah. It's not necessarily token, but tokenized nonsense. Crypto, who the hell knows? It just feels very Ponzi-esque. Yeah. Last, man, last man in gets absolutely destroyed mm. in terms of the arbitrage piece. Blockchain has applications in certain things, but we still haven't seen what the killer app is. And then the metaverse, the, 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 the name is just nonsensical. And it was grabbed on by a, a, a sort of sociopathic CEO mm. who seems to hate advertising and is letting his core business kind of like decrease in value. Seems to hate right? hanging Where out he, with people as well. You know, just he wants to live his life virtually. So, so, so my, my point is that, 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 that if it depends on what you're, you're, you're thinking, but I think the mixed reality world is where yeah, yeah. there's going to be a lot of innovation. Well, that has a huge amount of utility for people to kind of enhance something as opposed to replace, you don't want to replace reality with a virtual reality, but if you can enhance your reality with, with stuff as you need. Yeah, it, I think this conversation, it always gets very philosophical and sociological yeah. right, when you get into this into the mix here, like you know, technology-wise, script. but I just feel that the world should be less... Should be more connected rather than less. Yeah. Like a, a yeah. virtual connection is not the same as a real connection. No. no, I agree. I agree. You touched on gaming there, um, and gaming is a little bit like, uh, you know, it's, you know, for years it was next year is the year of mobile, and and then you know we're talking about that for fifteen years, and then mobile took off. The gaming has huge audience, a huge industry, has huge engagement. It just hasn't. It's not ad friendly in a sense that the advertising community don't um, don't seem to invest in it. And I find sometimes some of the stuff you can do, like it's grand in terms of transactions. It's a fine industry, and, and I play games myself. And I know people who buy skins and stuff for their character. It, it, people spend money on it, but brand wise, getting into it, it just hasn't really taken off. Do you think it's going to? Is it? Is it because you talked about there's no there's no kind of ad tech plugged into that, so we can't measure? And uh, is that the problem? And do you see it changing? Yeah, I think that's a measurement issue. And I think we're going to get, I think we're, we're, we're starting to make strides here. Like, we're already, like, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of these in game advertising work with attention based uh, measurements. So I think there'll be a change, there'll be a change step in that. I don't think brands brands want a uh, standardization piece, right? That's yeah. scale, right? Like, the custom stuff is fine up to a point. That's like, uh, you know, experiment. But if you want to do proper scale, you need standardization. I think that's the biggest problem gaming's had. So I think, like, we're now at this, like, 
this interesting sort of like uh, and obviously uh, um, I think Meta or not Meta Microsoft but with a product this week around in gaming advertising which I think is going to be right. a game changer around so, so you're seeing formats you're seeing big tech sort of like get involved so I think like we're going to see more budget flow yeah. it's just like yeah once a tech you have to, go, goes you have to go with the eyeball inside you know yeah you do um, well you do as long as you can you can kind of measure it as you say so once ad tech plugs into that and it becomes a viable option we talk about you know um, attention I think yeah it'd be great because I'm a big fan it's a huge audience um, well, we're not going to keep it too much longer just one question do you think it'll be you mentioned it earlier on about Apple uh, in acquisition do you think 2023 will be a big year for M&A because obviously the stock market collapse means things are quite affordable now values have dropped significantly particularly in tech Um Things that were possibly overvalued. Now the big boys have less money, but they they can buy things at less than half the price they used to. And and you know Apple in in ad tech is a, is a good example. Do you think we'll see a flurry of M and A next year, even within your space? Not generally within generally and within your space. Yeah, so I I I think there's going to be quite a bit of M and A. And now <clears throat> what we have right now is a lot of the companies um, sort of. In ad tech, anywhere public values are kind of half in value, yeah. <clears throat> but that's more reflective of technology in general, right? So you know, growth stocks have got hammered um, by the market as like you know, like um, investing for the future. I think there'll be the flight to safety, money and energy, and all the rest of it. But what will happen, I guess, is like you will see some consolidation in ad tech because there is an awful lot of companies in the middle that really need to be rolled up. Well. Another thing you probably see is a lot of companies like private equity has been a big buyer in ad tech this year. So we, as a fund, first party capital, we've, we've tracked about $5 billion in M&A in Europe alone, right? About a hundred deals, which yeah. is insane. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that's from private equity. So private equity have a lot of money are sitting on a lot of money and, and, and are hungry for deals. So what I, what I, we had a, uh, Josh Wetman, who works at the uh, investment bank, Hula Loki in the US, speak at our recent event, um, Ad Tech Money. And he was talking about how private equity would probably end up taking a lot of these companies private and putting them together and then waiting for the market to kind of like normalize and then going back public again to make some money. Mm-hmm. So you will see this. There's money being sat on. And everybody would say like, oh, well, why would investors sell if it was a, if, if, the, if the price was like, $20 um, in last year and now it's 10 Yeah. Why would they sell? Well, they're under pressure to sell yeah. because they're, 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 even if they make a loss, they're under they pressure to sell. Yeah, they, they can reinvest. They can reinvest some of that money <laughs> because they, there's always the fear it might go exactly. zero, yeah, right? Exactly. So, so, so you might end up, like you've seen this already, right? Tremor, who are listed on the London Stock Exchange, and the New York Stock Exchange, or I think it's NASDAQ, one or the other. So they were due listing. There was a story on Sky News uh, business yesterday about them shopping themselves around, right? Because they were about a billion dollars, yeah. and now they're worth 400 million. So like, you're going to see lots of this happening where, you know, as you say, there is money in yeah. the ecosystem. Like private equity is sitting on shit tons of money, yeah, right? Yeah. And if they don't spend it, the LPs, the limited partners who put money into the pay, can can get their money, can demand their money back, right? So they want to put it to use. So I think there'll be a lot of these kind of like roll-up deals, taking private deals. Um, and there are like interesting companies to buy in the space. I'll give you an example, right? So the trade desk are like obviously 
the kings of independent ad tech, right? The kings of the DSP outside TV360. They don't have a retail media player, right? They have an interest. So you could argue they could buy someone like Criteo, for instance, right? Yeah. It should be a bigger buy. Or they could buy a, company, a private company called Cavill. So there are loads of opportunities to buy companies. Like for us, as a fund, we're, our companies are really early stage. So none of us, none of our companies will be selling next year. It's just, it's a growth stage next year. Yeah, yeah. We're, you know, seed or series A funding in 2024. So I think there will be a lot of forced M&A next year. It's not a great year to sell. I tell you what, no. if you're like, if you can hold out to 2024, yeah. I would do it. Um, but you know, the, the other thing that's interesting is while well, you've seen a lot of companies who 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 are trying to raise debt, because um, they, they don't want to raise money at a down round, so they, like they raise, they may have raised a 10 million, and now they're forced to raise a five, so everybody gets diluted by you know 50 yeah, percent. Yeah. Uh, 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 they're trying to take more debt on, right. but the problem with debt is. You're, you're, you're borrowing that not net against 0.5%, you're borrowing against 5, 6, 7%, or, or in some cases, 10. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, you, to service that debt, you're, you're going to have to pay back whatever, uh, quite a lot of money every year. Yeah. Um, so you, 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 that's, that's also motivating this market. Like you went before, a lot of four sales. So there will probably be a few fire, a few fire sales, a few big strategic acquisitions are for sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you have Apple and you have all these big tech companies that are not in ad tech looking to kind of like, you know, like Apple have to serve ads against live soccer in the US. Like that's, that's not a, a easy problem to solve, right? You've got to do like cross different matches. Mm. You're going to do like um, pods. You're going to do targeting and do measurement. And I don't underestimate you know, I'm not saying that the Apple engineers are not capable of building that, but like to build enterprise ad tech, you you have to have that kind of DNA in the company. They just, you just buy can't it. Roll just it. Buy it. Yeah. Yeah, but you could buy Magnite, for instance, for 800 million. Magnite have Spring Server, Ad Server. They have an SSP. They have all sorts of really cool tech. Yeah. Um, and there's other Invoid and all the rest of it. There's, there's a bunch of companies they can sell. So I think like ad tech will see consolidation. Mm. Where I actually see some really interesting interesting areas will be service there. So ad networks are back. Uh, I think like managed service across ecosystems that have no idea or no signal, you're going to see some interesting companies that are like tech-led IO businesses or tech-led uh, um, uh, managed service working with agencies who want to kind of like get their money away. So you're going to see a return to that a bit next year as well. I mean, MIQ are a good example. They were sold for a billion a billion dollars. Right. And I actually, you know, I remember the day that Lee and G, who were the founders of that company, we had pints over in the pub over in uh, uh, Soho. And they told me they were doing this. And I was going, what? Really? Two-man show. They went from that to 2008, selling for a billion dollars. A managed service business. An ad right. network, if you will. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting times. Right, I've only got one, one last question before I let you go. The year ahead, uh, crystal ball time. Who's going to have a good year? I'm th- thinking of the big, at the big players as well. Because um, again, just to stress, we're not, we're not we're not deep into ad techs. So a lot of people might not know a lot of the companies that you'd refer to, but the big ones that we'd all know. Who's going to have a good year? I, I kind of read that you were you're saying Meta in for a, a bit of a tough time with some heavy fines coming down down the track at them. So who's going to have a good year and who's going to have a bad year? Just top, give me two or three. I mean, I, I'll sort of give it to you around maybe sectors and, and companies. Yeah. So I, I think that Google will have a relatively good year 
according to good, but it won't be stellar growth. They'll be able to ruin their search business. I'm not really sure how YouTube, YouTube talk about that, shellacking um, around the uh, uh, YouTube growth. So I think they'll have a sort of a flat year. Right. I think Meta's going to have a tough year, but their, their stock will probably rebound, which is, I know it's, it's sort of oxymoronic to say that. But I think the loss of signal is going to continue to, to hit their, their, their advertising base. I think CTV is a, a segment is growing. It's up, up yeah. here for them. Um, I think, uh, sorry, just go back to, 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 to Meta and, and social. Those social wall gardens are going to struggle. I think like Snap and all them, the loss of signal yeah. is hugely detrimental to their ad business. I think CTV grows. I think retail media grows. Um, it's a fabulous area to be in. Um, I think the sort of like utility publisher or segment is definitely up. I think the the, the, the the way that you find specific areas, I think attention as a segment is definitely up. Um, uh, um, Apple as a business is going to grow. If you're looking for a job, I think Apple is a good place to look for one at the minute. Um, uh, Amazon continues to be an absolute juggernaut. And yeah. um, from an agency perspective, because I obviously want to go back to sort of like you know, your relationship, I think agencies do okay. Yeah. Um, I think the increased fragmentation means that agencies are busier than ever. The planner buyer is back in vogue, believe it or not. Um, with all the AI nonsense, um, we have a performance X, that lower tier market. I think you still go to, we're going to see back to basics in terms of planning. Um, and we're going to see some interesting tech kind of come around that. I think the creative makes a roaring back. You're going to see less ads on page, more creative, more high impact. Um, yeah, I think like there is obviously the headwinds, mm-hmm. economic headwinds, but I think that's more mid to long tail problem. I think the holding groups have been doing relatively well in ter- and agencies as well, relatively well in terms of revenue and forecasting the next couple of quarters because they didn't spend as much during COVID. And if anything, COVID was, was more of an existential crisis then a recession, which is yeah. always a, 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 a headache for most people uh, economically, but it's it, it's kind of priced in. Um, so, so what I'd say is that that your big tech is going to have a relatively growth, but the but the new kids in the block are going to do well. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what happens to publishers. Um, I think it's always relatively tough for them yeah. uh, in this market, but I still believe that a lot of publishers will sort of like invest in internal uh, um, brand agency pieces, which what what you work with the, with, with the agencies themselves mm. to do bespoke content. I think that'll be a big growth area for them as well. Cool, right. We I've kept you longer than I than I promised I would, but I really appreciate you taking the time and I enjoyed our chat as always. Uh, I know you've been busy, so I will let you go. But thanks a million for joining me and I'll talk to you again. I'll get you on next year as well and we'll have a sem- similar chat and hopefully we won't be talking about the same things we were talking about um, every year. Well, we haven't been this year. So listen, Kieran, have a good time. Have a Well, this will go out after Christmas, but we're obviously recording pre. So have a great Christmas and uh, enjoy your break and stay safe. Thanks, Dave. And, and all the best to your family and, and your colleagues and, and your listenership. So thanks for having me. No, no problem. Thanks for coming on. And I'm still a big fan of your podcast. So keep up the good work. Right. Thanks, Kieran. Talk to you later. Cheers, Dave.
So, yes, that's it. That is it. I really enjoyed that, um, as I always do, Karen, You're a great guest, so thanks for joining me. Um, and thanks to everybody for listening. And thanks, as always, to Kira in Marketing and Andrea on Sound. And thanks to our partners in the Irish Times Media Solution who make all this possible. If you liked that episode, why not listen back to some of our previous episodes? You'll find them all by simply typing Irish Times Inside Marketing into your search engine of choice. So until next time, stay safe. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions.